And I said, ah, it looks like I got where I wanted to go, even though I was really disappointed about Duke. So, so my, my mom liked that when I told her. <laughs> the ultimate you're, validation. Yeah, you're so right, mom, and I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not really a dream killer, mom. I, <laughs> right. I take it back. <laughs> exactly. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career. This is the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. We get to bring on experts like Carrie Oberuner, who teaches people to be unhackable and to close the gap between their ideas and implementing them. Or people that have pretty amazing stories like Tanya Malcolm, who put herself out there, stayed positive, and was able to build relationships to get the job that she wanted. These are people that are just like you, only they've already made the change from where they are to what they really want to be doing. Now, today, we get to talk to Pete Makaitis. I own a small training business. And they say, oh, like personal training? I was like, oh, no, I'm flattered if you think that I look like (laughs) I could be a personal trainer. The body mass index claims I'm two pounds overweight and I resent it. Uh, So I say, you know, training in terms of people development. So I teach individuals and teams how how to sharpen their, their problem solving, their thinking and their communication skills. Totally burned out from working a typical nine to five job, just sitting at the desk, drudgery. This is Matt. Like a whole bunch of other people, he got really burned out on his job. Not only on a mental level, but also like an emotional level, just wearing me out. Listen for Matt's story later on to learn how he figured out what business to start that truly fit him. But yeah, the fear was definitely there, but you just have to keep going, right? You have to act in the face of fear. In my conversation with with my friend Pete, we got to dive deep into decision-making frameworks. If if you've ever made (laughs) decisions, well, that would make you human. But if you've ever wanted to be able to make decisions much easier, then we talk about a really simple two-step decision-making framework that can allow you to quickly make informed decisions while also being proactive and intentional and a whole bunch of other good things. So that was a ton of fun. And it's, it's something that has been very helpful to me over the years. Also, we dive into what Superman, Clue, and stand-up desks have to do with decision-making. You're going to love that part. And we really talk about how, how determining different perspectives and, and the goals of the people that you work with can help you improve your career and even meet your own goals because there really isn't just one perfect job out there. And we talked about some examples of, of how consistently progressing and getting closer to the things that light you up is going to actually allow you to move into the career or careers or the combination of career that you want. So all that, plenty more, Take a listen to my conversation with Pete. 
Oh, sure thing. Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's really funny. If you think in some ways, I, I have always sort of wanted to do this. When I was a teenager, my hero was Tony Robbins. <laughs> really? Yes, he was. You know, the, the, the super tall, you know, motivational dude who yeah. does fire walks and, and that dude. I, I read his books. I, I wanted to be him. And and I thought being a, a speaker would be the coolest career in, in the world in terms of like, because I, I got a rush from speaking. I was on speech team in high school and everything. And I told my mother that I wanted to be a speaker when I graduated college. And I thought, well, what should I study? Maybe I should study like communications things. And, and my mom said, well, Pete, I think you should probably, you know, get some expertise first so you can speak about something. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, fair enough. That makes some good sense. And so then I, I learned a little bit about the, the management consulting industry uh, by accident because I was serving on an organization called the it's all in high school, the, the Student Advisory Council to the Illinois State Board of Education and uh, the, the SAC, if you will. Yeah, I was mentally trying to figure out the acronym for that. <laughs> and so I, I did meet a couple of girlfriends, actually, from uh, the organization. They'd always say, oh, oh, how'd you meet her? And I said, from in the SAC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they thought it was funny, so it, it worked out. They weren't appalled <laughs> by the, their boyfriend's uh, humorlessness. But so in, in that organization, I, we were basically consulting. And I was like, we were figuring stuff out and we were presenting to important decision makers. And and it was really cool. They, they implemented some of our suggestions, such as putting the the ACT uh, assessment onto the, the statewide Prairie State Achievement exam. And we thought, this is so cool. I get to work with really smart people. I get to to think through and solve challenging problems. I get to kind of be a speaker for a bit when we're when we're presenting it to the folks. And I thought, this is awesome. I learned, wait a minute, there's a whole industry that does this. And, and they have just fantastic opportunities uh, afterwards. Uh, it, it pays well and you travel. And, and, and so I, I w was hooked such that on day one, uh, entering the my university of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, I was determined. I was like, I will be at McKinsey & Company, the Boston Consulting Group, or Bain & Company upon my exit from this university. That was like one of my the top goals from, from day one. So I was a weird college kid. It was declared. Yes. I will be. At <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so what happened through college then? Well, well, then it was interesting. You know, I, I I'd pursued different, you know, clubs and organizations, had some fun with Model United Nations or, or whatever. And uh, and I did write a book about uh, leadership and student organizations, which was fun. I, I self-published it and I, I did a number of, of speaking engagements around that. And I still do a few, you know, here and there. Uh, Keynote in college campuses. It's fun. You know, college folk are are energetic and enthusiastic. And, and so I was, I did some of that. And then ultimately uh, the, the opportunity came up, up. the internship uh, season uh, came around and I had befriended someone in an organization who ended up at Bain, which was exciting. Jeff is his name. And it was like, well, this is the first guy I know who's doing what I'd like to do. And so I, I'd say, Jeff, tell me all about it. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow. <laughs> and, and he would say things like, you know how in class sometimes you just wait for people to stop saying dumb things? And I was like, yeah. He's like, that just doesn't happen here. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so enchanted uh, by by this. And, and I studied and studied this, this uh, 
this beast called the case interview, which is a particular format that uh, consulting firms and now more and more firms uh, subject their their candidates to, which is you got to solve a, a problem, a case, you know, live before their eyes. And, and so there's just this whole dance associated with clarifying questions and putting out a structure and doing some creative brainstorming and some calculations and synthesizing and all this stuff that it's kind of stressful and it's, you know, the pressure's on and your hopes and dreams are dependent on it. So I, I did a lot of prep for it and, and came to really enjoy it. You know, the process of, of solving those problems was, was just kind of fun for me. It's like I got to play puzzles, you know, with, with somebody for, for the job. And, and, and ultimately I did my, my five interviews uh, for the internship, uh, and they they went well. And I remember the day I was I was emceeing a date auction fundraiser for Model United Nations. Of course, you were, and I sure was. <laughs> I was that cool. <laughs> and and then I got a call from unknown, which always was them, because nobody else came through as unknown on my cell phone. <laughs> I had the microphone. I just handed it off to someone. It's like, you take over. <laughs> I stepped out. I stepped off just the like side. like in mid-auction or just like, <laughs> oh, and yeah. we're going for $24, $24, night. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> Boom. I was, I was starting to introduce someone. Like, yeah. Crystal is... Actually, hey, you you, you introduce Crystal. <laughs> I'm going to go over here. And, and, and so... And then uh, I got a call from Dalton, who who said the the news. I was so excited. My friend Emily in her puffy red coat. Yeah, that's one of those memories, you know, when you want something for so long. Um, gave her a big hug, and then I, I I was living the dream for that summer at the in the Sears Tower or so, the Willis Tower, as they call it now uh, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So that was your simultaneous beginning of new dream and end of emceeing date auctions <laughs> or invites back to emceeing date auctions. Well, I resumed it, <laughs> but yeah, they're like, what the heck? This guy must think he's so important. <laughs> so what, uh, what was that like then? I am, uh, I'm assuming that you accepted, you had the hugs, you had all of that. What, what was that like in terms of what you expected it to be versus uh, versus what surprised you? Yeah, right. Well, you know, I, I'd say in a way, well, it was, it was absolutely thrilling when Dalton extended the invitation over the phone. I remember I said, God bless you, Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a 20-year-old professionalism. <laughs> I don't know. You know, what you say? Oh, that's, that's what I what, felt. That's what you say. I like that is... I was delighted. And and so I was I was super excited and 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 it was also just edifying for me because you know if you really want to go back you know my mom and I we always got along well uh, you didn't know we were getting deep <laughs> into the family stuff we always got along well but one no you area, didn't know we were getting in deep this was planned <laughs> you're this right I didn't like... either <laughs> you tricky wily interviewer <laughs> so your mom uh, my mom and I you know we we got along pretty well um, you know for my whole life. I, I think she's so wonderful and supportive and, and just a great mom. And, yeah. and and the one time we really scuffled was when I was a senior in high school and we were figuring out where to go to college. I had fallen in love with Duke University and it I went to the campus. It was just so, so gorgeously amazing. I, I didn't really follow sports, but I somehow decided I'd be the ultimate Duke basketball <laughs> fan. 
you know, and then I, I had a crush on my admissions officer who, and, and I got a, I got the acceptance and my admissions officer, you know, wrote me a nice little uh, postcard. And I thought, see, she really cares. And later I learned admissions officers are basically salespeople for <laughs> universities, uh, you know, so it, I, I, I was all, I was all connected to it, but my mom who ran a credit union said, well, you know, well, Pete, you don't want that debt on your shoulders. You really don't. And because the University of Illinois, I had a, a full tuition scholarship. Duke, I did not. But I thought, you know what? I've worked so hard in, in, in school and everyone always told me I could do and be anything. And here I have a, a college I'd love to go to and who has accepted me. And and my mom is is putting the kibosh. And I, I mean, I, I guess I could have just said, no, mom, you're wrong. I'm going to go into tons of debt. So, you know, forget you. But I I ultimately heeded her advice. I went to University of Illinois. And, and one reason it was so cool was when I got the letter, which showed who the interns would be. You know, we we had uh, some some folks from, you know, Illinois, Michigan, Northwestern and one from Duke. And I said, ah, it looks like <laughs> I got where I wanted to go, even though I was really disappointed about Duke. So so my, my mom liked that when I told her <laughs> the you're, ultimate you're, validation. Yeah, you're so right, mom. And I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not really a dream killer, mom. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> exactly. So, so that was fun there. And then, but once I got into the thick of it, you know, there were some surreal moments just looking out the the Sears Tower, like, whoa, here it is. This is for real. And it was, and it was really cool in the sense that I even like made an email newsletter uh, <laughs> for my friends, like, hey, here's what's up uh, about my, my time at Bain. And, and I was enjoying making the the slides and 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 the stuff. But one thing that surprised me, frankly, was how um, I was then in an environment in which everybody was brilliant. And I was no longer like the smart one in the room. I was often the dumbest one in the room. And, and it, at times I was uncomfortable. And, and I remember even at the midpoint of my internship, it, I was in doubt if I was going to get the offer because I, I, I had made a number of errors, you know, and I, I wasn't, um, rocket and roll in the spreadsheet in a way that's most, you know, valuable and helpful in terms of your, your pivot tables and your filters and your, your slicing and dicing and slide creation and, and, and whatnot and, and making little, little mistakes like, oops, oh, there's an extra zero in there or, or, or whatever such that as like, uh Oh, um, like this isn't just all just a, a fun little internship. This is like for real. I, I, it's not a done deal this, this could be lost. And so, so that was a little bit intimidating at times. And I remember I had to learn that the recruiting team would wanted you to have an amazing experience. That was their main thing. Uh, and then your case team, they wanted you to do uh, you know, great work for the client and be sort of low maintenance and, uh, for, for them. And, and so it was funny. I, I always kind of listened to their perspectives equally because the recruiting team was like, oh, you should get out of here. You should have fun. Don't work too long. And I was like, oh, wait a second. I actually should ignore that input. <laughs> They're just worried that I'm not going to have an amazing time and accept an offer and tell all my friends at Illinois to go work for Bain. You know, So I should actually ignore that input. And if the work requires to stay an extra hour, two, three, four to make it great, 
that is what I actually need to do. So I, I had a little bit of a, of a shift. It's like, well, I, I shouldn't stay here past five. The recruiting team told me uh, that I, I shouldn't do that sort of thing. But it's like, oh, no, they just want me to have a lot of fun. And what, but what really matters for the offer, that's a huge distinction for me. What matters for the offer is doing a great work and, and having Kyle, the guy I'm working with, recommend, yeah, Pete's great. What caused you to have that realization? Because I think that so many of us have a tendency to take what is in front of us in terms of feedback and roll forward with it, essentially. And you've got somebody right there that appears to be in a position of authority and they're saying, oh, yeah, I didn't like, go and have fun. Like, I don't why are you out with your friends having drinks? Yeah, like, obviously. Yeah. Like, what uh -huh. uh, what caused you to pay attention to that in a different way? Well, I, I guess I was just thinking, you know, in my sort of midpoint review um, and in conversations with folks like there, there was nothing on there about, oh, we're concerned he's working too long or too many hours, you know, like, like that just didn't show up. And, and then I remember, and there was even one moment, Kyle was awesome. You know, the guy I was working with most closely on the team, he was just, and that's one thing I really loved about the firm was just like the coaching and learning and development support. Kyle was awesome. And at, at, at one point, like the recruit, I even saw an exchange they had, you know, the recruiting team was talking to him and like, but you had him here till 10 PM. What, what was it? And, and Kyle was like, look, we, we had to fix some things. You know, it was one night. This is going to be okay. <laughs> and, and, and so I thought, huh, you know, it's like, that, that's what really matters in terms of like, it was just getting that clarity in terms of, you know, what does winning mean here? Well, well, winning means that Kyle says this dude is solid and, and is, is worthy of an offer. And, and so that he recommends, you know, the manager's partners, you know, uh, officially extend that offer because he's the one who sees me, you know, you know, day in, day out most closely, whereas the manager's partners, you know, had had less exposure to my, my work product on a daily basis. That's interesting. How old were you at that time? Uh, I was 20. Very astute for a 20 year old. Behind that comment, I'm mentally jealous because uh, <laughs> I uh, suspect I would not have recognized that at 20 years old. That's awesome. So well, the same thing is, I guess I, I didn't want to work a ton. Like yeah. at the same time, I was like, oh, if I'm getting two messages and one message I kind of like a little more, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll take that. But so, so then it was like, oh no, Pete, at times there will be uh, time where, uh, occasions where, where I must hustle a bit and, 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 and you know, forbid uh, to work past 5 p.m. And, and, and from time to time, that will be necessary, and, and that is what is required, and, and that's okay. Well, I think the part that I'm taking away from that, too, is that probably what he really wanted at the time was to have, have that work finished. You know, if it took a long time, that's great. If it didn't take a long time, that's great. But uh, having the having the wherewithal to be able to recognize that and say, what what do these people actually want slash need here? Right. I think that that is that's something that's useful for any place, any time, any age, whatever it happens to be. Certainly. And, and I'm, and I was so appreciative of Kyle. I mean, we had that conversation and, and he was so, he was, he stayed there with me. He did it side by side. He's like, you want to shake from pot bellies? They're delicious. All I mean, so he was, he was such a star in, in, in helping me out. And, and I remember I, I even had a realization with him because I, I thought, oh, it's the manager of the partner. You know, they're, they're the ones who kind of say this person could get an offer. And then we were chatting 
And, and I said, oh, wait a second. Am I supposed to be dazzling you? <laughs> you know, because like I thought we were just buddies. You know, we got a great, fun working relationship. We laugh a lot, you know. Yeah. He's like, he's like, well, well, yeah, I, I would like to be dazzled. And, and yes, I will be the primary input into the recommendation for whether you get the offers. Like, oh, this is good to know. Here, let me get your milkshake. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so what happened from there then? Well, the, it was good. You know, I, I, I was able with that kind of paradigm shift, I was able to, to take a breath and realize, Hey, from time to time, you're going to need to ignore the input from recruiting and say, Hey, you know, it, yeah, it would be great to leave before five and, 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 and do some fun Chicago activities. Um, but you know, right now, you know, I screwed something up and I got to go fix it, you know, before I, I, I let someone else see that I screwed it up, you know, and, and that's going to you know, push me a couple hours later. So, so, you know, I stayed a little later from time to time and, you know, and, and, and had put an extra dose of, of attention toward, you know, double checking my, my work and, and ensured that it was, you know, sensible and appropriate. And then even got some input from, from third parties here and there like, Hey, I think this makes sense, but, but does it really based on how we work around here? And they say, Oh yeah, it's good. It's, or no change this. And, and I got some great words from encouragement and, and then ultimately I, they gave me an offer and I was thrilled to take it. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. The, the culmination. Mm -hmm. but you're not still there. So what that's true <laughs> as, it, as it turns out. So what, what right. is the windy road that, uh, that caused you to one get there and then eventually decide that that's not where you wanted to be long-term. Sure thing. Well, it, it was interesting. Well, once I had the offer in hand, um, I, I thought, okay, this is really cool. And I thought, well, they're amazing. And if I'm going to do consulting, I'm going to do it with Bain because I saw, I saw them, up close and personal and, and loved it. But the question was, am I, am I going to do something else? You know, uh, I also had a, a tug to, uh, as I was thinking about, I like the speaking training stuff and I had a, the book, you know, released and it's like, maybe I should just go entrepreneurial full-time right here, right now. And I thought maybe I should be doing something that's, that's more directly helping people like, like service. I, I was considering the priesthood. Yeah. Being a Catholic priest that was on the table. Were you really? I didn't know that. I was my well, fun fact. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe seminary is, is the next thing. So, so yeah, I, I, I kind of sorted through a lot of stuff and, um, you know, prayer and, and thought and, you know, analysis. And, and that was kind of my, my conclusion was, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people do consulting for two or three years and, and then go to another adventure and, and they're better for it in terms of, of the skills, the network, uh, this, the money saved, <laughs> is it, the pay is pretty good right out of college, uh, that, that you can glean from that, you know, you know, puts you on in a good path for any number of things. So that was kind of my, my takeaway was, you know what, uh, I really like this. I, I'm intrigued. I, I might kick myself if I and have regret if I don't do it. And, and I can still do anything else that I'm, I'm looking at, whether it's nonprofit, whether it's priesthood, whether it's entrepreneurship, um, if I, if I start with a stint in consulting. And so, and so I did, and I, I, I took the job and, and I enjoyed it. You know, I, I did meet great people. I, I was challenged and sharpened and, and did some, some great learning. I had a wide variety of experiences across, you know, industries and, and, and business challenges, which is just what I wanted. So, so it was, it was so good. I, I, I to this day, I'm awed by just like the review process in terms of every case in every six months, you'd get maybe a four page, mostly single spaced document 
up with specifics on what you did well, what are your development opportunities, examples of them, how you you stack up for what they expect, an associate consultant one and a half years into his or her career uh, and, and all that. So I, I really appreciated that um, level of, of input and feedback and, and support of colleagues. Um, but what was happening in the in the background was, you know, I would I would occasionally do a speaking gig here and there, you know, with uh, there's an organization called Hobie Hugh Bryan Youth Leadership. A bunch of uh-huh. high school sophomores assemble, and I would I would I would speak about you know smart goals or or, or some other topic, and and it was it was such a rush. It, it was a thrill, and then I would return to consulting, and I'd say, well, yeah, this is this is pretty nice, but you know, wow, that was like a thrill. And so there, there were a number of, of instances in which that occurred. Uh, and, and then a lot of folks shared, it was kind of like after three years, it was, it was actually pretty standard. You know, it's no, no scandalous departure. It was just sort of like, Hey, what are you thinking? You think you want to keep at it, go to business school. You thinking you want to, um, you know, do something else. And I was thinking, you know, um, what I really want to do is this people development stuff. Um, and it, it seemed like the right move based on how I've seen keynote speakers, you know, not impress me that much, but still collect a healthy, <laughs> a healthy fee for, for their services. And, and, and it's what I like to do. And, and so that was kind of my, my main thing. I, I, I dug consulting. I, I think the long hours and, and the travel and the, and, and then, and a little bit of the, the luster wore off a bit. Uh, from yeah. from when I was new, yeah. Uh, but I don't. I by no means hate consulting. I, I think it's a fantastic, a fantastic pathway. I just noted that for me, what what I'm getting most jazzed about is is people development type work as opposed to to profit increase work. And I even saw that in when I was doing recruiting at Bain, and when I was getting to manage someone at Bain, or like a like a new hire or an intern, or as well as when there were cases that had sort of a, a peopley element to it, you know, for the business that we were helping out, like, like those were some of my, my top favorite moments there. And I was like, well, why don't I, you know, kind of reposition to a career where I'm doing that kind of stuff all the time. I'm an engineer who was living in Portland, Oregon, and was moving up to Seattle, Washington to support my wife's career change. Remember Michael? We already told you that he'd made some career changes before, but this one in particular, it was different. A lot of the folks I talked to using sort of my normal channels were often saying, hey, we'd love to have somebody like you on the team. Unfortunately, we just let three or four people just like you go because there's not enough work to go around anymore. Michael realized that this was not an opportunity for a change in location. This could be not just a lateral move from one city to another, but it could have the opportunity to be a promotion as well, leading projects to potentially leading teams of technical people. And that has sort of been where I wanted to be for a long time. As we worked with him, he began to explore a much bigger picture. It wasn't just about finding a job. It was about finding my place in a community and being able to show folks that I wasn't there just to just to find something. I was interested in our conversation beyond that Mike needs a place to land in Seattle. He put in the work to really connect with people and made it happen. As we're speaking now, I'm sitting in my new apartment, having unpacked most of it in a gap week between when I left my old job and when I'm starting my new job. 
Congratulations to Michael on finding work he loves that fits his family's needs. If you also want to figure out what work fits you and find that fulfilling career that lights you up and gives you purpose, find out how coaching can help you step by step. Go to happentoyourcareer.com and click on coaching to apply or pause right now and text my coach to 44222. Again, you can just pause right now and we'll send over the application. Text my coach to 44222. And what was wonderful about working with the Happen to Your Career team was that I was able to learn so much about how to go from good to great in that, that career transition. So you were experiencing experiencing little portions of things that you recognized you absolutely were having a lot of fun with and you had that thrill and you had that excitement and some of that initial thrill and luster and everything else was wearing off from from the consulting gig so you started leaning into those smaller areas that were that were new and fresh and exciting and giving you that same uh, same level of panache yeah that's a great summary that's true very cool well and i think so many people think about their careers as, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to find the thing and then I'm going to do the thing for the rest of my life and mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome once I find the the one thing. And then uh, typically one of one of two things happen from that. One, that's too much pressure to put on somebody because you're never going to find a perfect situation anywhere. Right. But then the secondary thing is, I don't know. Based on all the data and people that we've worked with and everything, that's not really how it works. It works much more like you just described, somebody who is consistently progressing and getting closer and closer to what is is really, really, really great for them is paying attention to those and continually leaning into the smaller areas that light them up. So that's that's super cool. You know, I, I totally agree with you there. And, and that notion about the forever, I think I had a great guest, uh, Mo Carrick, on, on the show, uh, How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Yeah. Ed, could resist guy. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've been on your show. It is a fantastic show. Oh, thank you. Uh, and so it, it was great to have you. And so when she was talking about work fit and, and I really bought a point that she made is like, you know, the, the job, the work that's a fit for you now may or may not be the fit for you in five or 10 years. And, and I think that's so true in terms of fresh out of college, um, you know, Hey, bring it on. Let's, let's travel. Let's, let's, let's dig in. Let's, let's, let's do a lot of stuff. Let's, let's hustle and, and build skills. But then, you know, now, you know, settling into some family life, that sounds very much not appealing you know, to me and, and things evolve as, as your life evolves. Yeah. Yeah. What you wanted at a certain point in your life may completely change and will likely completely change as you're into a new season, new area and different wants are actually okay. And weirdly expected. And on that note, the decision-making that goes along with moving from one area of your life to another, and should I do it? And what, what's going to be the best thing? And all of the, all of the, all the pieces of that are incredibly difficult. And that's probably, I know, (laughs) underscoring it or very much putting it mildly, but I am, I am super curious because you, I think, do a really great job of as you're as you're deciding to take on new projects, new pieces, new seasons of your life, new sections of your house that you're developing for offices, <laughs> whatever whatever it happens to be. Uh, you do a great job of putting putting 
intention and thought into what those decisions look like. And and you've talked from time to time about something that you've referred to as hypothesis-driven thinking. And I'd love to dive into that for a little bit here. First of all, what what is hypothesis-driven thinking? Oh, oh, sure thing. Thank you. You know, it, it's funny that, you know, my wife recently gave me some some useful feedback. She's like, that sounds really complicated and hard, and I don't know if it's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> and so that I recently had... Um, you know, so on my podcast, How to Be Awesome at Your Job, I, I'll have like when it's like a, a, a holiday ish, you know, like uh, Columbus Day, you know, or Labor Day, you know, it's sort of like, oh, you know, people are not as may not be commuting and listening to a guest. And I don't want to put any guests in the spot where, oh, yeah, sorry, you got half of the, the, the listens because, you know, no one's in their car uh, on this um, on this day. But I keep it coming Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I, I put out a reflection on these days, a mini episode, and it called the, the two questions that improve every decision. Cause that's really what it, it boils down to. And my wife said, yes, that's much more approachable. Thank you. So uh, thank you, honey, for that input. <laughs> and so, so hypothesis driven thinking is, is all about, it's a little bit of a, of a paradigm shift. So, you know, you, you might imagine if you're trying to solve a case, a murder, it's been a murder, Scott, and you're a suspect. Uh, it was the candlestick in, in, <laughs> the, in the bedroom or the, I don't know. So there's right. been a murder and... Well, well, so I mean, the, the way I think most of us approach most problems or questions in life is like we jump in and we just take a look around. It's like, okay, well, hey, so what's uh, what's happening here? Okay, there's a body. Okay, there's some there's some blood. It's you trickling out. All right, some things appear to be broken. Okay, huh? You're just sort of looking around. All right, is uh, did it seem to be a struggle? Was there you know is was there a weapon in place? So, so that's one way uh, that occurs. Is like you're just kind of looking around in terms of like, all right, let's see what we see and uh, see. If we kind of figure something out now versus the hypothesis driven thinking it is a bit more focused in, in terms of you zero in on doing a particular test and you want to see if something is true for example you'd say is the victim poisoned well you're going to take a sample of blood and then we are going to send that to the laboratory and we're going to get some results back with the the toxin screen and that will will tell us we are testing a hypothesis that the victim was poisoned you know, we might say, is there someone who's who's after them for financial reasons? Okay, well, that's a hypothesis. We're going to take a look at their, their financial records, you know, their bank statements, credit cards, et cetera, see if there's any unusual activities and and, and see if that can trace us. So that's kind of the idea is you're sort of zeroing in your focus on some high probability things uh, and sort of uh, testing them. And so I think the great way to apply this to a, a decision is to just take two key questions. Question one is, what must be true for this to be a good move, a, a good choice, a good decision, a wise path? You know. So what are the key ingredients, the boxes that we got to check to prove out? And then secondly, how do I test those things? How can I get a sneak peek, a preview in advance to, to see if, in fact, that is the case? So let's say for just a second that I am not a member of NCIS or mm -hmm. I don't happen to work for the police force or have detective someplace on my business card. Give me an example of, of where and how this, this works or can work. 
Oh, sure thing. So, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, Scott, as we're speaking right now, I am on a, a sit to stand desk and I, I've, I've been seated, but I'm, you got me excited. So you're going to stand up now. Ooh, oh, let's go. I okay. <laughs> the dual motors. Oh, there it action. goes. Okay. I'm following it. Oh, that's, uh-huh. yeah, uh, we're on video oh, and this looks, oh, <laughs> this looks awkward. Oh, but he's standing now. I got to say it more. Okay. okay. There we go. He's a tall guy. You might not, you might not know <laughs> from his voice, but he is a tall guy. Okay, cool. So now I'm standing and that's great. So <clears throat> I wonder if the voice sounds different. I'm going to listen and get some uh, <laughs> in- input, some feedback. You, so you sound taller. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, so here's what's up. <clears throat> there was a time before I had this desk. I wondered, should I buy this desk? I don't know. I mean, our standing desk is sort of like a gimmick, sort of a, a fun little thing. I think that matters, but in, in practice doesn't. And so because I was pretty torn up about this, like, do I part with $625 for this, you know, sit to stand desk or do I not? I said, well, well Pete, we're just going to run it through like I do with my clients. Like, you know, what must be true? requiring the sit to stand desk to be a good move. And so, and then you can sort of brainstorm some of those things. And, and so then I thought, well, well, first of all, I guess my, my space needs to be able to accommodate it. You know, secondly, there has to be some true benefits, you know, of this desk that exceed the cost of this desk. And, And thirdly, you know, buying this desk I have in mind needs to be superior to the alternative options. And I said, you know, sure enough, I feel pretty good with that set of categories. Like if I could prove out those three things are, are true, then it it holds up that I should in fact, you know, make this purchase. And and so then we start thinking, well, how can I test each of these things? Well, Hey, can the space accommodate it? Well, let's take a look. Does it need a special outlet, special voltage, juice, power, amperage? How tall is, how long is the electrical cord? Could it, can I fit that to, to where my electrical cord is? Um, what are the measurements? I will measure my the space and, and see you just right where I would put it. And then I can test that. Sure enough, my space can be accommodate that. Yeah, you know, I've tested that in advance. Will the benefits exceed the cost of the desk? Well, I'm thinking, well, well, what benefits really am I getting at? Well, hopefully I'll be more energized and productive. That's really what I was getting at. And I was like, is this I say, I'd like a little more than someone's word for it. Like, I feel so great using my, my desk. <laughs> and that's something. But, but I wanted more. And so I, I, I'm a little bit obsessive at times with research. And so I found a number of studies that use this tool called the Profile of Mood States, the POMS, if you will. <laughs> that showed that folks who, who use this in a kind of like a – they used the desk versus they did not use the desk. You know, they saw it reduced fatigue by 25%. And I was like, if I could reduce my fatigue by even 5%, this, that would be worth loads. <laughs> and so, so that's how I began thinking about that. It's like, you know, what are the studies out there that show, you know, this boosts mood and, and they do. There's studies that show it reduced tension, confusion, depression, anger, uh, you know, less fatigue. I was like, well, shoot, like if I had less fatigue, I could just do a couple more coaching sessions with all that new energy and then get this thing paid for, you know, pretty quick. So, so uh, yeah, I, I believe sure enough, the benefits of the desk exceed the cost. And then, and then finally, is it superior to the alternative options? Well, then I just went deep in terms of, you know, the video reviews and the, the side-by-side comparisons and the profiles. And, and, and I, you know, for other states to stay on desk options to purchase, 
I tried putting some boxes on top of my desk to see if that worked all right for me, and it sure didn't. You know, and and, and so then in so doing, I, I said, sure, you know, yeah, this seems like a a desk that is superior to the options. The three things proved true. I felt good about moving with uh, forward with the the decision. I, I purchased the desk, and and I've been pleased. Now it's not perfect. There's some other things I might have wished I considered, but overall, it was it was the right choice to to get it versus not get it. Well, here's what I really love about this. First of all, I'm a huge fan of standing desks. I don't know if you can see it, but we uh, we actually following what I would say is a very similar framework now that I think about it for decision making. Mm. We ended up trying, we we built for probably like 30, 30 or 40, maybe it's 50 bucks after tax and stuff. We built a small test version of a standing desk. Oh, just nice. To, just, to, just to trial prove it before actually changing and customizing our entire studio to where now you know everything is standing the the big table in the middle the the console that i'm at now everything is standing so i just walk around the room and and i would although i have not uh, dumped it into a spreadsheet i would say that uh it's a good 25 30% less nice. uh, less fatigue give or take a wide margin of not not measuring totally um but I, I do think that this is something that can be very, very versatile. It works for more than, I know, shocker, works for more than just standing desk purchases and solving murders. <laughs> but those those two questions, absolutely love those because I think that that could apply to a lot of different things. I think that could probably apply to financial decisions or areas of your health. I guess you just gave a good example. Actually, that truly probably impacts some areas of your health and work at the same time. Ooh, it's a twofer. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you, that creative approach you had there. And you did a little bit of a, a small scale test and, and saw how it went. And I think it's, I love getting the, you know, kind of the untraditional or unorthodox approaches to, to getting that test input. It's, it's awesome. Like just a real quick example. So we got a, we're, we just bought a home yeah. doing all kinds of home renovation. It, it's, it's a whole new world for me. I didn't know anything about paint sheens. <laughs> for example, now I, I could tell you all about a, you know, a satin versus a flat versus an eggshell, whatever. <laughs> And so we got this quote, we got several quotes for windows and one of them was like way cheaper than the other so much. So we almost didn't trust it. Like, uh, is there something wrong with this, these windows? What's yeah. the problem? And so, you know, we say, how can we test that? That this window contractor dude is any good? Well, you know, we can look at Yelp or other review sites, but then it, what's really cool. I didn't know this, but you can message people on Yelp and say, Hey, and I did this. I said, Hey, you were pleased with your windows, you know, some years ago. Have they held up? Have they, you know, fallen apart? Are you, are you still glad you got them? He's like, yeah, they're great. They're really solid. He's like, okay, there we have it. <laughs> Done. So it, it, it's so cool. You can just pick up the phone, call someone, message someone, and just be a little bit, a little bit bold, a little bit creative. And, and you can get a little bit of a preview before you, you know, invest, you know, your time and money and reap regrets. That is super interesting, not just the part about messaging people on Yelp, although that is also <laughs> interesting, and I did not know that, so fun yeah. fact for the day. I am curious, one of the things that that occurs to me is you could spend uh, you could spend ample amounts of time applying this framework to all kinds of different decisions. How do you decide where to apply this framework and what isn't worth 
the time or the energy or anything else, any other opportunity costs, I, I suppose, uh, to put it through this framework. Because I could, uh, you know, something that I did many years ago, um, I probably spent, I don't know, a good 40 or 50 hours investigating different types of TVs to buy. And this is, oh, wow. this is a number of years ago and it was absurd. This is probably like 10 years ago or something like that. Bought the, bought the silly TV and loved it. And then only years later did I realize <laughs> 40 or 50 hours at some point there was a huge diminishing return and uh-huh. it was probably not a great way to be spending my time. <laughs> how, how, do you, oh, yeah. how do you decide where to apply this and where not to apply it? Oh, that's good. Well, you know, in some ways, I, I would say just about any decision, you can give it uh, like a one-minute version of this. Like, okay, real quick, get get out the the legal pad or, or an envelope, you know, anything. It's like, okay, what needs to be true for this to be a good move? And so it could be like, should I go to dinner here? It's like, okay, well, it, it's got to be affordable. They got to have a space open for us. You know, it's got to be food people like, and uh, we got to be available at that time. Okay, that's it. You know, and so I think you could do that in under one minute, you know, for, for those sorts of things. Now, your detailed research investigation to to test or, or prove or disprove them, you know, I, I think in some ways it, it boils down to, well, one, is it fun for you? I, I guess in some ways, like you spent 40, 50 hours on that TV research. And, and I'd say if, if it was a stressful hair pulling out, I'm freaking out, I got to get the best TV and <laughs> right. I'm worried. Well, well, then, well, then that's a very different story then oh it's really fun to see what's all the different technology that's out and available here who would have thought that the tvs can do this now and oh interesting this brand's up like like if, if that's kind of an enjoyable thing for, you know like some people you know they go shopping let's buy some shoes you know for fun like that that's entertaining for them and so maybe your product research is 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 enjoyable as a hobby and in which case, I think that's a different game. Like if you know that you're playing it, it's like, okay, this is is something I'm doing recreationally for amusement uh, versus it's like this is something that needs to be done for an outcome. And then for if it's the latter for an outcome, I would challenge yourself to say, okay, you know, what would be the downside if I got a suboptimal TV, it's like, you know what? I, I spent 200 extra dollars and I missed a little bit of, uh, of, of, you know, pixel resolution. And then it's like, and, and am I okay with that? You know, or, or, you know, would, would doing an extra few hours be worth it to me to not have that happen? So I guess you just got to take an honest look at, you know, a suboptimal outcome. How, how big a deal is that for you? Versus a little deal. <laughs> you know what occurs to me is you can almost use this framework to decide if you should use this framework. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I just heard you describing to some degree <laughs> is, hey, what, what, or at least the amount of time that you're devoting to this framework, if nothing else, you know, what, what must be true for this to be a good move? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly. And and I think, and it's interesting in terms of like, and often the downside is, you know, can be really minimal. You know, it's like the downside is I have to return this thing to Amazon (laughs) after I realize it's not quite what I wanted. Like, okay, that's not really a big deal versus, oh, the downside is uh, after I have uh, quit my job and moved my whole family across the country, I realized that this new job I accepted isn't the thing that I wanted at all. Oops, (laughs) Oops, <laughs> that's a much bigger downside. I would be more thorough about your research there. Well, I think that's that is a really great point, though, because we get so many, and I bet 
I bet if you're listening to this right now, you may have been in some kind of similar situation too, where you get really excited about something that is in the moment, possibly uh opportunity or, you know, a job offer or, uh, the potential of a job offer or whatever else. And this happened to me too, um, a while back with a, with a company that was going to pay me really well. And it was going to be remote work and it was going to, it was going to be, there was a a number of good things about it. And I hadn't necessarily done some of those things at that point in time. And I was looking at that going, wow, there's all of these great things. I'm so excited about it. But I kind of stopped to fail and ask the question, Hey, what must this be true for this to be a really good move? And as soon as I started applying some of that, (laughs) some of that questioning, then realized very, very quickly that, hey, this isn't going to allow me in this case to continue to build this business. Even though it was remote, it was going to take a lot more time. There's going to be a high learning curve, all these other things. And really what I wanted to do in the first place was build this business that we have now. And this would have been actually a distraction from that. But, oh my goodness, I spent a good two weeks being really, really excited about this. And this was in the early stages of when we were building out this, uh, building out happened to your career, where if I would have just stopped and applied this framework that you're talking about, Pete, then I would have probably not wasted two weeks really just being caught up in this. And it would have been a really simple decision to be able to just move on from it and say, yep, sounds like a great opportunity, but not great for me. Yeah. And and I think you're, you're really heading something nicely when it comes to kind of our, our automatic responses there. It's like, Ooh, a good opportunity. Good bunny. You know, okay, I should do this. You know, I, I remember, I think about sort of financial things there in terms of, you know, when I was at Bain, I, I had similar ideas for, okay, I may very well be starting my own thing afterwards. And so I, I was, I was maxing out my, um, 401k contribution. Like, I guess you can deduct up to like 25% of your, of your salary. And I thought, well, you know, I can can put that money there. I don't really need it for anything. And saving is good. Um, So, so yeah. And I I like to do things. If it's important, I should do it to the max, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So there's a shortcut in my brain. Like, (laughs) and it's, it's actually, you know, serve me well and poorly on a number of occasions. Like that automatic reflex, you know, if it's, if it's good, do as much as you possibly can. It's like saving is good. Therefore I should max it out. And then, and then later occurred, well, Hey, what, what really is important with my financial goals is that I have over a year's worth of runway to, to not have to have an income as, as I build my thing. And so it's like, well, we're putting it in a, a vehicle where I get penalized for accessing it early is not helpful. And it's not like they're, they're giving me a match on 25% of, of my salary invested. So I should, stop doing that and really scale it way back. And it's funny. And, and in the moment I, I almost felt like I was doing something wrong. I was like, Ooh, I'm not, I'm not being a good saver. You know, I'm, I'm not doing this thing to the max. It was like, but no, in, in fact, what I'm really up about, this would be better served to put a more modest amount into the, into the 401k. And, and, and well, I'm glad I did. I think that is actually possibly the biggest power ooh, the power of this is the yeah thanks for the <laughs> i'm gonna play back that sound effect every time <laughs> i need to say the power of anything but i do think that this is the power of this framework that you're talking about is it allows you to be a lot less reactive and a lot more intentional slash proactive and i think that that is 
that is very helpful in all areas of life. And I, first of all, thank you for coming on and, and talking us through this, not just for standing desk purposes, which I am a fan <laughs> of, but also for many other purposes. And I, I so appreciate it. I, I do only have one or two really important questions left. And right. one of which is, what are the what do, what do you find is the most useful purpose or purposes for owning a full size Superman costume? <laughs> yeah, I just had a feeling. <laughs> you, that, you knew that uh, I was going to go there. Shift it to a funny direction. It's like, oh, oh, okay, huh. okay. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm ready, I'm ready, Scott, to earnestly reply to the important question. <laughs> you know, that's a. Uh, <clears throat> Well, you, you can feel free to edit this down, but uh, you know, the, the story, the backstory is I was talking to my mom one day about, you said, you know what? I love Superman. As a kid, I wore Superman pajamas everywhere I went and my brother would tease me like, you know, those are pajamas, right? And I was appalled. I was like, this is my outfit <laughs> like, with the little Velcro tabs for the cape. I wore it, you know, everywhere I went. And, and so it was you know, a fun, it was a fun childhood. You know, I was always, I, I wept when I learned that it would be impossible for me to fly. Somehow that feels poetic. Like if the biographers in the future will, will comment on this, maybe. Um, I, I was like, mom, David Copperfield's flying. She's like, well, Pete, you know, that's a delusion. He's not actually flying. He's a magician. That's what they do is dream is, killer. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I've seen a pattern here. <laughs> and, and so I was all about it. So I thought, you know what, if I could just get the perfect Superman costume, that's what I would want to be every Halloween. That's what I want to do. And so I, I, from time to time, I would Google around and say, okay, Superman outfit. And and I, I was appalled. I, I said to my mom, you know, mom, you can spend over $300 for an adult Superman outfit, and it doesn't even come with boots. Isn't that outrageous? What are you paying for? And so, and so one, one day, you know, I, the, I, had, I had gotten dumped, and I was sad. And then um, – and this was, you know, right around October. And then in the mail, I, I had a package that my mom had, had sent to me. And it was a pair of red boots. They, <laughs> and it was like, it was immediately, <laughs> so it was immediately clear what needed to happen next is I, I, I ended up looking around. There was no decision making framework there. It was obvious. <laughs> It was so clear. So I, I went on, I, I went looking around and, and I saw this guy, you know, made uh, costumes on eBay. And, and I was like, that looks exactly what I wanted. I wanted a Christopher Reeves style Superman setup, you know, not, you know, because there's a few to choose from. And, and I thought, oh, this is just right. And I said, oh, but the size is wrong. Might you have in stock, you know, something else? And he said, well, you know, hey, just tell me your measurements and, uh, and I'll make it for your measurements. And it was awesome. So so now that is my Halloween standard attire. It is the Superman costume made to my measurements with the boots mom gave me. And it is, it is still like, like a child in his pajamas, one of my favorite things to wear. And I wish I could wear it more <laughs> in a socially acceptable fashion. <laughs> oh, that is, that is fantastic. I, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you going into the full story and <laughs> I so appreciate you taking the time here. This is a, every conversation I've had with you has been a ton of fun. So thank you for doing it again. Oh, thank you, Scott. I, I totally agree. It's been a delight. And, and please keep doing what you're doing. Happen to it.
I, I, I certainly will. Plenty more to come. So for people that want more Pete or more Pete dressed as Superman or more decision-making <laughs> frameworks or really all of the other good stuff that you offer, where can they, where can they find you? Sure thing. Well, the, the, the brand, the website, the podcast, it's all called how to be awesome at your job. So you can go to awesomeatyourjob.com and connect that way or, or just type like awesome job in, in iTunes or a podcast catcher of your choice. And, and it should um, pop right up with the, the friendly yellow uh, logo and, and away you go. Perfect. Hey, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Hey, are you ready to figure out what work fits you and what would be the right right challenge and enjoyment that matches up with the career you actually want? Well, I got just the thing for you. I want you to go ahead and pause this episode because we have a figure it out mini course that helps you get clear on what you what you want in your new career and begin making some of those difficult decisions and help you pare it down, narrow it down to what you really want. So pause and you can, you can get this two ways. You can either go over to figureitout.co right now, right now. Oh, wait, figureitout.co. Or you can actually text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. And we'll send over so you can get signed up right away. All right, we'll see you over there. Hey, thanks so much for everybody that has been leaving us ratings and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. This is a this is not only a huge help and fun for us and makes our day every single time, but it allows more people to be able to find the episodes, find the podcast, and ultimately get to work that they love. So when you do that, you're helping people out and you want to help people out, right? So head on over there right now. And here's a review from, from Michelle and it says, listening to Scott is part of my feel good start to my Monday ritual. I learned something new from every episode. There's a reason why this podcast has been around for 200 episodes. If you're considering a career change or a fan of self-improvement, this is the only podcast that you need. Take the plunge, tune in. You won't regret it. Thank you so much for, for leaving that for us. We really very much appreciate it. And We've got even more coming for you. Now that we've blown past 200 episodes, even more coming up for you next week, right here on Have a New Career. When you're thinking about making a career transition in terms of this kind of binary operating system of right versus wrong, what you're doing is you're creating not only a huge amount of pressure on yourself, but you're also making it such that the way that you're thinking about and judging the opportunities in front of you is very black or white, yes or no. Whereas I think what we come to see, especially in people who successfully and happily make transitions, is that there's a lot of gray area in the middle and that it doesn't have to be an extreme one way or another. All right. All that, plenty more. See you all next week. Adios. I'm out. Hey, what's happening? How you doing? You I'm are doing well. Doing well. You are raring to go.
Raren? Do I look Raren? You do look Raren. <laughs> like that shade of blue especially makes you look Raring. Oh, thank you. I would yeah. I would say it's a Raring shade of blue. Yeah, for the first time, I'm looking out the window right now. Frost everywhere. It's no good. Frost and I are not friends. We are not BFFs. Like, Have you had a, a run-in, an accident, a slip, an injury? No, I, I can't go into it right now. It's too, <laughs> too. It brings up a lot of issues, a lot of frost issues.